0: You're listening to The Onset, of refreshing, inspiring, and relatable outdoor stories and conversations with your host, Elizabeth Brownell. The
1: Onset Podcast, part of the OKS Podcast Network. Think I can fly. Think I can fly.
2: What's up guys it's elizabeth brown now and welcome to the onset podcast i gosh i don't even know where to start honestly it's just a busy weekend we have early duck season just started in virginia on friday and the opening day of archery for whitetail started on saturday so this is going to be released on monday i'm in the thick of it <laughs> But I imagine everyone is right now. Um, This is just, I mean, it's time. Like, the season's upon us. And things are a little different right now for me personally. And I am excited to share that with you guys. Uh, Maybe in a couple episodes, but not at the moment. I don't know what to say. I guess um, on Friday, we killed four mallards. And Saturday, we hunted ducks in the morning with no luck. And then I sat in the afternoon with Austin for an evening hunt, and we saw a couple does, but um, just not within range to shoot. So, I mean, that's kind of a recap for my opening weekend. Um, It's currently Sunday. Uh, I'm recording this and then immediately going out for another evening hunt. It was kind of out of character for me to hunt ducks on opening day of archery. That is not, if you've been following me, um, I would never in my life choose ducks over whitetail. That's just not who I am or how I feel. <laughs> no, no offense to anyone listening. Um, but it was kind of more of a call on weather. It was supposed to be a little windy and rainy in the morning. So figured that was kind of the best weather to um, sit on some water and, and kind of Hope to get that done. Temperature just dropped from 65 yesterday to like 45 this morning, and it's going to be like 45 again tonight. So hoping they're just on the move and able to get it done. Again, I have a low expectations, not because this is rookie hunting on the Onset podcast, but I think, honestly, it's... <sighs> Last year just didn't. It w- It just wasn't my year, um, <laughs> and that's totally okay. That's what hunting's all about, right? It's, it's called hunting. It's not called killing. Um, I all season. I just wanted an opportunity on a doe that was by herself, and instead, I was surrounded by does with fawns or just yearlings. Like I could have carried out a yearling on my back on my own. Um, I just didn't. You know, the opportunities really didn't uh, happen for me. The only time I saw some bucks were towards the end of the season, and I was on federal land where they actually have um, an antler restriction. So um, even if it would have been a deer, I would have been comfortable shooting and taking. It was something I was not allowed to do anyway. So uh, last year, I just had, you know, a hell of a time. And so I'm going into the season just like no pressure, no pressure for rookie hunting, like the Instagram side of things, no pressure for this podcast. I just feel like sometimes I put too much pressure on myself and then I kind of take the fun out of things. So I'm just, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a recap for, uh, for how I am expecting the season to go. Again, my really, my only goal is to harvest a deer with my compound bow. So, um, at the end of the day, whatever that looks like for me or however long that takes me, it's totally fine. And I'm saying this on the podcast, so I prove like it is totally fine. Um, And it didn't happen last year. So if it doesn't happen this year, like, I mean, it is what it is, right? I do want to say thank you for all of the submissions I got for your Ricky Hunting story. Um, They were really fun to read through. Definitely, if you're listening, um, keep submitting them. I think you know, at some point I might do an episode where I just share like 30 minutes of rookie hunting stories, because again, I feel like this is all something we can relate to. And it's it's just a funny thing that I think we experience. And if you do something dumb or embarrassing, like, trust me, you're not the only one like this is just some shit that happens. So for this week's rookie hunting story, it is submitted from Pankova 101. So not a true rookie story, because I had been hunting for years when it happened. I was fairly new to duck hunting on my own, though. I went up to a reservoir in Colorado with a bunch of mallard and teal decoys, got set up and waiting for shooting light, and we had ducks pile in on us. As soon as the sun broke, nothing would come close. We realized that most, if not 90% of the birds were divers, which I had never expected to see in Colorado. I had brought a white tent liner to use as a blind against all of the snow. I ended up cutting it up to make little jackets for all of the decoys. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Went from no ducks to a limit of bufflehead, golden eyes, and a couple of redheads. There's a lot more to it than that, but that's the basics. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was really funny. That was the one I wanted to share with y'all. I think... You know, from last week's episode with Julia, uh, heading waterfowl on your own is definitely like, that's a hard step. It's a, it's like the next step. Right. Um, and so this just kind of made me laugh. And uh, where I live in Virginia, honestly, you can be I mean, yeah, I mean, for the first two years of waterfowl, all I shot was bufflehead. So this definitely resonated with me and I thought it was a good story to share. So thank you for submitting that. This week's episode, I traveled to San Diego, California. Not one of my favorite cities, but I do go there at least once a year for work and uh, I am always grateful that my work sends me there because I have some good friends out there from Bow Disciples. Um, you may have seen some of their crazy adventures on YouTube. Um, it's a really entertaining channel. Definitely check them out. In this week's episode, we actually discuss what it would be like for, I mean, I want to say like the rookie Western hunter, hunting from the East Coast, the West Coast, Midwest, like everything's completely different. I learned so much on this episode, so genuinely, I feel like you guys are going to get a lot of tips and just a lot of insight from James and Bree. I appreciate you guys listening, and don't forget to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Let's do it. Let's do it. What? do it every time i hear that I think,
0: yeah. I think a 40 year old virgin yeah let's here on it. the casting couch <laughs> yeah.
1: i gotta show where that video i do have a
0: great couch for
2: that i feel like yes. Yeah. well
1: it has to be black and leather technically. oh that's
2: true yes that's, yeah.
1: all right i'm ready <laughs>
2: okay all right we're here on the onset podcast i'm with my favorite people on the west coast bow disciples james and brianna
0: thank you for being here I'm happy to be here on my couch, hanging out. In your beautiful home. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We got the dog over here just out of frame, unfortunately. He's joining us at some
2: point, hopefully. He definitely will. So today we're going to be talking about kind of a, kind of like a bunch of topics, but I think primarily I like having y'all in my corner because I feel like you guys primarily hunt on the West Coast. Um, and it's just completely different from the east coast so I I learn something new every time I talk with them and I I see what they're up to and like your accomplishments you just killed a big bull Um, but so I definitely want to get into just first like and you actually you started hunting on the east coast like Florida
0: yeah Um, so I'd say like I'm a veteran in in east coast hunting um but I would definitely qualify myself as a rookie or novice when it comes to West Coast hunting so he's gonna have the expert skills in that but it's been crazy to see the similarities and
2: differences in both of them. Yeah for sure and I would say like primarily like the first thing I think of is you guys just have completely different game Mm. um, that I would never see in (laughs) Virginia so um, you want to get into that like I mean the ones that come off the top of my head only because I only because of y'all actually is um, a lot of the videos you put out like uh, obviously elk um Cavalina. Mm. Is that, did I say it right yeah 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 <laughs> is yeah. it yeah. okay that's
1: legendary animal <laughs> okay. by the
2: way and that's a pig right to my knowledge, they're actually no. they're actually no? in the
1: peccary family not the pig oh. yeah even though they look like a pig uh so they're mostly like south america Mexico, and then, like, New Mexico, Texas, Arizona have some. Maybe Nevada, but they're uh, mostly real far south and west. Okay,
2: how so is, the, how is that different? How is peccary different from, like, boar, I guess? So,
1: a wild pig is going to be quite a bit larger. Like, they can grow to probably 500 pounds, okay. um, whereas a javelina, like, a real tank's probably like 60 pounds, so okay. they're like a small animal.
2: Is the meat still similar to pork?
1: no not really their meat is not they're certainly not known to have like the best meat but i personally really like them because what we do when we get javelina is we'll actually stew chunk the whole animal so the back straps everything just makes stew chunks and then we have a really good stew recipe so basically whatever you make javelina with you just want to be sure it's surrounded by like a lot of like Flavors and seasonings because it's a really good protein, but like on its own as a steak or something, it wouldn't be the best meat.
2: Okay, so is it similar to red meat? Like, what does it look like actually? No, it's like, kind of white,
1: know? almost like a chicken color, oh, sort of. Yeah, but it okay. doesn't taste like chicken at all, so. And what she knows it? they don't have the best odor, <clears throat> their nickname's <clears> the <throat> <a> stink <clears> throat> throat> pig. Okay, so they kind of like smell. before
2: or after killing it, or is They're it just like warm? the meat in general? Anytime,
1: like, they so have it just gland right mm-hmm. above
0: its um, tail essentially. And if you kind of lift up its little wiry hair after you've shot one, it kind of looks like a little sphincter, okay. um, up, a little above, sphincter. <laughs> up above its uh, up above its tail, and it emits. Um, I don't know if "emits" really the right word, but yeah. uh, it lets out a scent that is. Um, it's kind of like if you open up the guts of an animal, like it okay. is just a
1: kind of like a skunk a little bit. Oh wow! Oh, okay. A yeah, but a skunk
0: can get like you can kind of get used to. You don't get used to this smell okay at least i didn't
1: yeah not yet not, not yet. yet but <laughs> no nah, they're 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 a really cool animal and in fact they're one of the best ways to learn how to become like a really good bow hunter because bow hunting to me is a lot about like getting close to animals learning how to stalk learning how to glass and for that they're like the best because a lot of guys uh will like newer hunters will say oh i want to go hunt a Lena so i can like get something with a bow and i'm like as if it's easy and I'm like not easy and most time they won't even see one I'll get a message like five days into their hunt hey man I've been looking really hard I haven't even seen one
0: I feel like has been one of the hardest animals for me to see through the glass I mean you would think like this they're all they're black um, minus the, the little babies but uh for the most part but they're all black and you would think that you know stick out really well amongst rocks grass whatever but as small as they are and as fast as they kind of move and just like pigs they kind of just wander around in a group and so they're always kind of milling eating and whatnot unless they're bedded down and when they are bedded down it's not typically in a place out in the sun where you can see them um we actually did a hunt last year where where they bed is basically a thicket of you know bushes that's impossible and they make little tunnels in the bushes Mm. so you can't impossible to get to them so they're extremely hard to find through the glass unless you stumble upon them when you're kind of still hunting around so
1: definitely yeah no there's no better animal to learn how to like glass and use binoculars Mm -hmm. which because we're talking about like Western hunting and like one of the skills that's really important in it to me glassing is like Num- one of the number one skills you're going to need. Years ago, I didn't
0: know what
1: glassing was. No, most <laughs> so people think they know the how to glass. first heard glassing, I was mm-hmm.
2: like, I had to look up one I means. Mean. I was like, yeah. what
1: does
2: that mean? Right. Like, I, my mind right. went somewhere
1: else. And most people, when they think glass, they think like, let me walk up on this hill, go like this for 30 seconds, no. and then move on, yeah. which like, when I glass, I'm sitting in the same spot off a tripod, looking at the same terrain for like three or four hours. Yeah. the same stuff obviously I try to see a lot of land but if you can learn how to do that you'll automatically be like a little bit better than if you don't do that and to be honest most people don't put nearly enough emphasis on time behind the glass they spend more time hiking which hiking's is great it's good exercise it's not necessarily the most effective way to hunt and find animals though
2: yeah my first time glassing was actually here in san diego um like i drove almost to mexico yeah um and met up with some friends and i was shocked like it it was i mean first of all y'all's landscape down here is like (laughs) essentially (laughs) desert it's like hills with desert um and glassing was just i mean i could have been looking at a thousand mule deer and probably not you never seen know. a single one because exactly. it was just like the rocks and everything else like i was, it was the hardest thing and i just wasn't i was not used to that
1: yeah yeah exactly and so many times like i'll be looking at a huge amount of terrain because i always try to sit where i can see a ton and not run out of stuff to look at which eventually you do but you got to keep looking at it over and over and over. Because I always think to myself, like, how many animals are probably in my visibility? But maybe they're down in a dip or behind a bush mm-hmm. or behind a rock. And they weren't there the this time I passed it, but maybe they will next time. And so many times you'd be like, I just looked at that hill.
0: Yeah.
1: And now there's a buck on it. But I've looked at it five times. Like, that's yeah. one
0: thing, I mean, of many that him or Ted have taught me or Matt or anybody out there, but um, it's like when you look through the glass or even with the naked eye, like, you kind of can tell that there's either a crest or a hill or something there. Um, but you don't know how far the drop-off is behind that. Ultimately, it's just going up a slope of a mountain. And so, you know, to his point, you look and you pan and you pan and you don't see anything, and easily that's, you know – a great spot that a deer can be bedded because they're out of sight, they're out of the sun, um, typically under a bush or a tree or something, um, and so you just kind of, you learn, probably the biggest thing I've learned is patience, um, because if you're not patient enough and you're sitting there and you're up there early in the morning, very easily they could still be bedded um, and you're just waiting for one to get up. The other one I think that's critical for glassing that you and Ted have taught is um because like you say you're looking at rocks and things you know in this terrain that's so different from out there that through the glass looks like a deer like there's a tree I don't know what it is it's kind of like I don't know it just always looks dead and it looks like a deer it goes up and there's always two Y's split off of it um looks like a deer through the binoculars with ears or a big doe or something um and so the biggest thing is, like, with the patience is don't spend your old time just staring at the one spot. Uh-huh. Um, and don't just quit it either. So if you notice something like that and you think, oh, that could be something, but, you know, just not sure yet, find something, a marker that you can come back to that spot. Look away. Keep looking. Come back to it 20 minutes later. If it's still standing in the identical spot. Oh, I found a tree or a rock, not a, yeah. a deer. but. Like, little tricks to Western hunting and glassing specifically that I've learned as a rookie (laughs) glasser and spot and stalker that have helped a lot with, especially, I think you've said it, like, the time behind the glass that I've had that have gotten, like, astoundingly better from the start. Mm, It takes practice. Yeah, Mm. you immediately just kind of... um, lose resiliency, lose patience, and move on to the next spot and say there's no deer here. And the likelihood of that is, it
2: could be possible, but also could be slim. Yeah. So patience has been important.
1: Yeah.
2: Because it's such, like, an important thing, especially on the West Coast. Like, would you just say, I mean, patience as well, but do you think that's just, like, practice is, like, the most important thing? Just, like, keep doing it and keep doing it?
1: Yeah, for glassing, especially because again, it's like such an important skill to have. And when I go glass with like a group of people, usually I'll see the most <laughs> by quite a bit. And people are like, How does this guy always see so much stuff? And it's
0: just tons, I've
1: done it a ton of hours in my life, you know? So it's like I have a lot of practice. And with more practice, you know where to look more, you know how to look more. And then also you have the confidence to keep looking at stuff where you don't see anything and something will turn up. You have that confidence. Also, like, you know, there is the aspect like some people might have better eyes than others. Like that's a possibility too. But mostly it's like the resilience of keeping looking. Because I remember I would go out with uh, my buddies Nick and Matt when they were new hunters mm-hmm. and we would glass and they'd be like, how come you see everything? We never see anything. I go, well, I'm not on my phone on Instagram the whole time. In fact, like I'm only looking through the glasses yeah. and, and by the time I'm done, face, I get say? these black rings around my eyes. Cause I'm like stuck to the glass so much. And I made a joke that like, I can't even legally drive a vehicle for like two hours after glassing. Cause my, I'm like, so like, Oh, since i different. feel like i
2: got really d- like dizzy <laughs> you I, was sure? like, I was like I, yeah. I was like i'm not used yeah, to this yeah, shit like where i yeah. live like it's not
1: you can't you don't have the terrain trees. Yeah, yeah it's just mm-hmm. trees mm-hmm.
2: and it's yeah. it's kind of flat so it's not something like i got to use like really nice like my nice pair of binoculars and i was like mm. this is the most overused yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, it's, yeah, it's actually kind of like addicting doing it oh, once awesome. you get started Love because you're
0: you're one like gotta pull a deer out of here and if you're with a group of people it's fun too because like yeah it really is like you know we'll put points on it like the first one to see one's two points or whatever and then you know if you call a rock a deer like you actually say it's um a deer like you lose two points and whatnot so like it becomes addicting to try to want to find one yeah um and then uh, there's things to it like you know if you find one like is it one you're gonna go after and like you know realistically like who saw it and things like that so it is important to see them because (laughs) we're going after one but um yeah it's once you start looking you kind of don't want to stop until you've either pulled one out or can really say i think i should move on but
2: yeah back to the different animals you guys have over here Mm. we just kind of said elk javelina Mm. what else what else do you got
1: Mule deer, like this guy right up here, that's okay. my favorite animal to hunt personally. Okay. Um,
2: and is that, I guess, are these animals like it are because I don't think we're just talking about California either because you guys mm-hmm. both travel, like, mm-hmm. I, I would say Arizona, you guys, where else? He's, do you guys yeah, go? he hunts New Mexico. I've hunted like every
1: state in the west pretty much, mm-hmm. um, other than like Oregon and Washington, Nevada, but like, other than that, I've done most of them
2: or mule deer something you would find across like yeah yeah yeah
1: so the, you'll find mule deer in pretty much any western state is it the equivalent to like white
2: tail go. like how much you how many years like you guys have out here and like
1: no there's way less mule deer than white tails okay. in the united states so white is actually a pretty cool conservation story that i like to tell anti-hunters is that there's actually more white tail deer now than before european settlement and it's all because of like hunting conservation now it's to the point where there's like too many whitetails so there's some places like in Pittsburgh I believe and a few other places where you can shoot a white tail every single day of the year because they're trying yeah. to bring the numbers down so much mule deer you're never going to find that they're actually one of the few big game animals that have struggled a little bit to okay. have the numbers increase in fact in the US I think we have 28 or 30 big game animals and I think they're one of two with Uh, numbers that have actually like come down a little bit. Okay. So we're always trying the mule deer foundation's really good, Um, but mule deer have a they're a migratory animal, so in, in some places. So they have a lot of problems getting killed in big amounts on highways. Oh. So what the Meal Deer Foundation has done is try to build, like, tunnels for them to pass underneath like roads. You can see the black
0: bear or bear yeah. tunnels. Yeah, I've seen
1: the mm-hmm. ones that go above,
0: above, like,
2: Or the above, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they'll put trail cameras just, just to you see, see how You see much... a deer take a... <laughs> yeah, I you know, I think, uh, yeah, even way. the videos are really cute, yeah. just yeah. all the wildlife mm-hmm. that are using that one little area. Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, there might they're my favorite animal to hunt because of the animals i have hunted i think they're like the smartest toughest animal to hunt not only do you have to know how to glass you have to be an elite stalker if you're going to stalk them on the ground spot stalk. they're just crazy smart and especially like an old mature buck like that that buck's probably like seven that buck has been alive a long time and he's been dealing with mountain lions hunters bears his whole life so they're really really good at surviving so if you can be a proficient mule deer hunter especially spot and stock on the ground i feel like you can go hunt anything pretty effective because like to go hunt you know i don't know like a coos deer like coos deer are also known to be like really really hard to hunt but to me they seem significantly easier than an old mule deer buck mm-hmm. which some people would disagree with that but if you can get really good at hunting the hardest thing, I think it becomes quite a bit easier to be proficient hunting the other things. Okay. That's kind of how I look at it.
2: And you mentioned, um, what is it, coos deer? Coos deer, yeah. You killed that, that one, you she
0: guys did.
1: filmed yeah. it. And mm-hmm. coos are only
2: west coast, yeah. or west coast western states mm. as well um, yeah so is it the same place tail. as you're finding mule deer or mm-hmm. is it a more well so they a like kinda, they like
1: higher elevation okay. so like usually on a mule uh, for a mule deer if you're looking at like a mountain range you want to look most of your time the lower third mm-hmm. of the mountain into the flats whereas coos deer you want to look the top third most of the time they like higher terrain higher pretty elevation. much any time
0: Like, I glassed up one really nice coos there, but James, obviously knowing the area, knew what was on the other side of that, knew he was pretty much unstoppable. Um, Coos almost every morning, him or another one up, you know, the top of the ridge, and then likewise mine, we had to go up quite a bit more again before, you know, we saw mine. Um, So different, same area and same, like, for the most part, weather and things like that, climate but the higher it almost kind of gets like rockier um steeper steeper they like more
1: sheep country it's more like Mm -hmm. elevation bands is what she's saying so like the mule deer and the javelina you'll find like a lower elevation band and then the coos deer you find on like a higher elevation band but they're in the same area same general area just they like different heights to be at okay yeah. And I do want
2: to talk about racks, just because, you know, the only thing I can mm. compare it to is whitetail. Yeah. So elk are on a whole nother level. Mm. And most of the I mean, most of y'all's big game, where I would just say an eight point, you guys say like four by four, right?
1: For mule dairy, yeah. So Is that d- only
2: for a mule, or do you do that for elk as well?
1: Elk, you'll usually say the same. Five by five, six by six. Uh, Coos deer, you usually will say like a white tail. So like a 12-pointer, or an 8-pointer, a 10-pointer. But when you score an animal, it's interesting because if you go down the route of like scoring them on Pope and Young or um, Boone and Crockett, you still score them as like points. So that mule deer right there would be a You don't count route times. So it would be a five by six. But... Scorable it would actually be a uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Full fourteen pointer. Okay. So it's uh five by six or a fourteen point. So it gets a little confusing yeah. but uh, scorable like on that uh, Pope and Young or Boonacrocket scale, you just say the total points. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: for I guess for rack size, coos, coos deer are naturally just smaller.
1: Yeah. Um. Really like, small.
2: what's an impressive? You know, if we, if we are if you are like hunting for rack size mm-hmm. or trophy hunting, like what is an impressive coos deer? Then if it is naturally smaller.
1: Yeah. So for coos deer, the Pope and the Young minimum, I believe, seventy inches, okay. and for a whitetail, it's one hundred twenty five inches. A standard wow. whitetail. So they're much smaller, and my I've only shot one coos deer, and I always said I, um, you know, wanted to get an eight-pointer for my first one. So I shot a really nice eight-point coos deer, uh, and it was like borderline Pope and Young, but it was like 65 inches, but it's still really, really yeah. nice. Of course, to me, any of them are really nice, but yeah, that mule deer right there is like 165 165 inch box. so with mule deer it's a lot different yeah
2: with mule deer are their racks do they tend to be bigger than white tail yes okay
1: Mm -hmm. so the pope and young minimum for a mule deer for a typical is 145 so white tail it's 125 mule deer it's 145
2: okay gotcha yeah so
1: quite a bit different but they're big they have bigger bodies bigger ears they're just a bigger animal overall yeah. Like, if you go watch the video actually where That's I so shot stark. that buck, it's funny when she walks up to it. I think she was filming, mm-hmm. uh, and I walk up to the buck for the first time. You could hear her go, Holy oh, under her breath, because he looks yeah. like a horse, you know, he's <laughs> it's so just, big, you know, yeah. it's like twice it's the size of any to deer. Explain she's explain How you know?
0: big it is, like, the shape of his head almost doesn't look dearly it doesn't look oh, like a deer <laughs> it doesn't look dearly um his body doesn't look deer like like he just looks like a cow a cow like mm-hmm. or a, a small elk
2: what's you know? the typical amount of meat you're getting from i mean let's compare an elk and a mule mm-hmm. deer
1: yeah so uh the elk i just shot on september 11th that elk uh, Was a five by five, probably a four year old bull, I would guess. That bull, I brought uh, boned out meat to the butcher. It was 230 pounds of meat.
2: Jesus.
1: That deer right there, (laughs)
2: probably. (laughs) And I'm flying back with some because I was really excited. Let's go.
1: Uh, That deer right there probably produced like half that, I'm guessing. So that was a really big buck. It's probably like 300 pounds but that elk was probably I don't know 600 you know so the deer probably produced like 100 plus pounds of meat whereas like what's funny is like her coos deer she got last year, which was a really nice coos deer, <laughs> yeah. probably was a, a hundred pounds total, maybe. Yeah. The whole yeah, deer. Total. Okay. This dude was a hundred pounds of meat. Yeah. Boned yeah. out. Yeah. You know? So it's For like, sure. they're, it's way different. Like, I always make a joke that like her dog that's just out of frame here is probably about the size of a coos deer. Okay. Like he's about the same size. Yeah. Damn, maybe yeah. a little bit shorter, but like a doe coos deer, like every bit about this big as him. Wow. Hair. Yeah.
2: Do you, um, can you shoot the does? Like, do you still get tags for those, or is that not a thing?
1: Uh, there might be for, like, youth or something, okay. but no, generally, they are always the buck tags.
2: Okay. Yeah. What about mule deer? Is that usually... Same
1: really thing. Nice? Mostly, they are going to be buck tags. Wow. There are some doe tags, but, again, depends, they'll mostly again, the be state, for youth. Because, like, California or, yeah, here, state. with our 822,
0: mm-hmm. we can shoot either or
1: either sex yeah yeah mm-hmm. for cool. the archery but with the rifle yes. it's yeah. all bucks unless you have um a certain tag i think it's called like a g11 or g13 or something that's mm-hmm. a doe specific tag mm-hmm. so you have to put in for it but yeah. they don't give out many because again the numbers of mule deer are not great from a
2: conservation aspect of they course trying to, yeah mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense with elk is it a little more liberal as far as shooting mm-hmm. you can call them cows right
1: cows or yeah females. so Elk There's a lot more of them. once again, that's one of the real like conservation bright spots that we've had in hunting. Mm-hmm. Elk were had very, very low dwindling numbers, probably only 50, 60, 70 years ago. But now they're super strong and in fact they're introducing them again into states that like haven't had elk hunting in like decades. Yeah are starting to get elk hunting again. like I think you can get elk tagging in Kentucky, which is crazy. Uh, but there's more and more of them. So certain states, like, yeah, most states, actually, when you get an archery elk tag, it'll be either sex. Most people want to shoot a big bull, but if you can, if, if time runs out and it's the last yeah. day, you can shoot a cow. So it's it's kind of cool. Gotcha. But uh, elk are a totally different animal. And that, that was one of the reasons I was kind of bummed, like, uh, Brianna had to leave when she did from our elk on she had never seen elk on the ground and then two days after she leaves i get this nice bull i would have loved her to see it on the ground to get that well, reaction because yeah, like, he's so okay, massive on the
0: ground, yeah. but you we had you know
1: it's just like it's so much different than when you see him like standing in front yeah, of you 40 yards away versus
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah i thought you know again like in the video like you can see that it's big but like i was blown over by the size of this you know uh, mule deer, so, like, I can't imagine how blown away I would have been by seeing, like, him, yeah. oh, you know, two feet in front
2: of me. Really? And I think my but, mind would immediately go to, like, seeing an animal of that magnitude, and then it's like, how do you pack it out?
1: Yeah, yeah, so that would be one of my <laughs> biggest tips, actually, like, because uh, I know, you know, rookie hunting, the whole goal is to speak to newer hunters, which I love, and I'm a big advocate of that, but... Which, yeah like one of the biggest things is like if you're gonna hunt out west you gotta be in good shape like yeah. you pretty much just have to because even though i shot that bull elk this this year out of a tree stand people say oh i know i gotta be in shape to set a tree stand well first of all i was a mile from camp so i had to hike in every day in the dark a mile camps at ten thousand three hundred 300 feet at the hike down a cliff all the way over to the tree and then i shot the bull It ran down further died and then I have to pack out 230 pounds of meat up a cliff at 10,000 feet most people can't do that yeah you know so my biggest thing is if you're someone who wants to get into Western hunting it's ultra important to be in shape like have good cardio be strong because if you're not You can't do it. And you're going to, I mean, you can go hunt and shoot the bull. Sure. You're not going to be able to pack it out yourself. So you're going to have to hire packers on horses or whatever. There's options. Yeah. But even to hike to my tree stand, most people could not do that. Like you have to be in good shape and you have to set up the tree, you know? So there's like so much work that you will get absolutely demolished. If you're not in good shape,
2: and I was gonna say, I have a couple comments from mm-hmm. your what you just said, but I feel like the biggest thing which t- I've noticed too is like you can be in, in shape mm-hmm. on the east coast, yeah. but I feel like anytime I've come out to the west coast, whether it's hiking or snowboarding, any I haven't hunted out here, but even just like those activities, like I thought I was in you know the best shape of my life, but the altitude. it's a total game changer and it's like i know if i came out here to hunt i'd maybe have a week right and it's there's no getting used to the altitude within that week like is that i mean is that just something that you just have to you know acknowledge and just be like yeah this is probably gonna suck a little bit like oh
1: for sure yeah, Yeah, yeah you're you're uh I mean, Brianna would be a good one to ask. She's mm-hmm. never hunted at those elevations or probably even ever been at those elevations nope. her whole life. Could
0: you, so, like, could you feel so, it? Like, you, you can 1,000% feel the difference. So, and you even
2: swelled up. <laughs> you said your, your yeah. knees and like other uh-huh. things were So like, I so already like,
0: have bad, you know, like I wouldn't say I'm in, you know, I'm not in bad shape, but I'm not like, I'm not super strong or anything like that. I'm a yeah. small person. Um, and I have genuinely bad knees and joints and whatnot so that i already had playing against me our tree stands so his was 400 yards from mine so we walked the same path In i stopped at mine he kept going um and i would say that was probably a 60 percent decline incline slope at See, least yeah. um down and up every day you know four times a day there and back there and back um and that alone i would get to the top or i would leave my tree you know same time at dark but i wouldn't wait for him to get there i would just go because i knew by the time i got up that hill i am absolutely gas-winded because there's just i mean it's scientifically you know proven there's less air up there so (laughs) you're like this you don't like feel it just like walking around like on flat ground But as soon as you start really exerting any energy is when you really start to feel it. And you're just kind of grasping for air that is not there. Yeah. Um, And in two, two and a half weeks that I was up there, I would say maybe by the last five days or so, I was somewhat used to it. Um, But it's definitely... And then it's just not... You know, like there are some hills and there are mountains on the East Coast and whatnot. Yeah. But... um, there it's almost like even at 10,300 feet when you go to still hunt through the timber it's just constant fingers and you know hills Mm -hmm. and you'll be walking a finger and then you'll drop back down one um, and then have to hike up essentially a mountain to get to a plateau kind of walk that for a while, hike back up again so air is hard um, and then the constant change in elevation as you're hiking around is different um even then for sure arizona and the stuff that we hunt
1: there yeah Um, i mean that's like half the elevation you know yeah it takes a lot i think that one
0: that one last hill we did that was a good i mean i was 75 at least percent incline decline that we hiked the rock one out that day and i had about three quarters the way up and just thought i was not i wasn't making it just leave me here <laughs> okay no. um i was dead after that one so it it takes a while to get used to it and you know i don't think what james is saying is like you need a six-pack and you know you need to be hitting the gym every single day you know wake up at 5 a.m but you do need to ensure you have endurance um in that you drink a A boatload of water.
1: water. Mm -hmm. Um, Super key. Yeah,
0: Yeah. because as soon as you become dehydrated out there, you can't catch up. Yeah, the fatigue sets in and the Mm. tiredness sets in and um, the headaches and you're just, you're done for out there. So it's vastly different even than spot and stock stuff that you do in the lower western states and completely different from east coast
1: i guess to simplify it it's just like the workload is just like tremendously more than uh you know hunting somewhere flat you walk out to your tree and sit all day like it's way different because even if you're sitting a tree it's not flat you're carrying a lot of weight you have to be up on the water. There's way less air. Most of these states people sit, you know, hunt tree stands. If you look at a map of the US, like most whitetail guys are hunting at like, or girls are hunting between like zero feet elevation and a thousand. Most people. Yeah. A thousand is like even high. Like zero and 500 is probably more realistic. So when you bump that up to five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10,000 feet, it's just like a huge difference, you know? So you gotta be prepared. And when her and I first started dating, that was, like, one of the first things I told her. She's like, I want to go elk hunting. I want to try to do deer hunting. Like, I've hunted this. I said, all right, well. And she was in good shape already. But I'm like, you really got to, you know, get stronger and, like, bigger. Like, you know, like, bulk up a bit because it's going to test you for sure. And you think you're ready for it, and then you show up. Like, it was funny. Her very first day Western hunting, she came out with me and Matt. (laughs) And I mean, uh, we put her through the absolute ringer hike in this state. Because we glassed up a buck like a mile away and he went over this ridge. So, like, we hike all the way down up the ridge and then, like, he went down the next one up the. So, we we just take her like miles through these hills. And I think that was an eye opener. Like, oh, now I understand why. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: Like, we'll just say, even on this elk hunt, um, there was. I mean and there's other options, like there's saddle
1: hunting and whatnot. You don't I was have to say hang like a tree, tree stand. stand
2: wise, like what or what did you guys take out so there? So you do it like a hang on platform.
1: I like Millennium tree stands, so they're like a platform that hangs on a quick release and you screw pegs into the tree and they're not like by any means like they're not OSHA approved They're not the safest thing <laughs> of all time. But you, you should
0: wear a safety. But you got to be able to pack
1: them in, right? So I pack them in and uh, hang them. And I think that another, this is changed the topic a little bit, but I think that like, one thing I would impress or uh, try to impression on somebody who wants to go elk hunt, on. impress on, impress, it, upon. impress upon, impress upon, <laughs> is uh, a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to go elk hunt and I watch YouTube, like, and I watch hunting. I want to call an elk. I want to call an elk. Now, this only works, like, two weeks out of the year, first of all. So, it only works, like, certain times. And it's a f- super fun way to hunt, especially if you're in, like, a really... It's kind of
0: almost, up. like, all you see on mm-hmm. YouTube videos. like, but because it's the funnest, like, of hunting. You're getting this elk to chase you and whatnot. But, I mean, what you're saying, by no means is that, like... What elk hunting is. Mm -hmm.
1: It can be. If you're in like a really premium unit and it's like the timing's good and the rut's really hot, it's elite for sure. Super fun. But my thing is, you always want like a Swiss Army blade of how to hunt. So, like, that could be like learn how to glass elk and then stalk them or still hunt through the trees, which means the wind's blowing in your face and you're slowly like creeping through the trees looking for. Elk, but also like sitting trees like pulling it back, learning from the whitetail hunters and doing that especially in the over the counter units where there's like very low density of elk it's the- one of the best ways to hunt because nobody does it so they're not educated to it and yeah you might have to sit a lot but when you do get an opportunity most likely it's going to hopefully be like a close shot that hopefully you can make whereas when you're hunting on the ground you may have one shot that's at 80 yards and most people are not proficient with a bow at 80 yards some are but most definitely not so i think like don't go in saying the only way i want to get an elk is if i call them in because if that's your whole plan on an over-the-counter unit you might, you're you just wasting $600, in my opinion. Dang. Like, your tag is not going to get filled. Most... Is that how
2: much an over the counter tag yeah. is? Yeah, so ours like $650 or something. What's it in state?
1: If yeah. you're a Utah something. resident, it's like 50 bucks probably. Damn. Or a yeah. Colorado resident. Well, or like you know, a resident Washington. in Washington. Yes. I know. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But,
0: you know, to like an example of that or to that is kind of had all three of them happen and. It was almost like I had to relearn to be an East Coast. You know, I don't like calling it East Coast, West Coast hunters because like you can do them everywhere, yeah. but in reality you do more on one than the other. So um, kind of had to relearn to be an East Coast hunter because I got really impatient in the tree. Inserting, you yeah. get like mm-hmm. the best part of glassing is the fact that you're looking at miles usually of with, you know, strong binoculars miles of landscape to look at. Yeah. And so there's a good chance you can try and pull something out with the glass. When you're or you sit up in the heavens <laughs> and glass from your tree. But when you're sitting in a tree and you're looking at your little Your bit of shooting lanes yeah. every day and you're like, I know you, Evan the Squirrel. I know you, you know, Mark the chipmunk. Like you see the same things every single day. And um I think I was texting you about the amount of birds. It was yeah. like an aviary. I, did. I, I, the the I <laughs> did. I got the Holy cutest um,
2: text from yours. I started so like happy. Googling
0: the birds. I was yeah. like, this is some sort of fish, I think. I'm like, it's yeah. got a yellow belly. It's small. This is some sort of strange blue jay with a really large peacock thing on it. And it was nuts. But back to it is that like I got really impatient sitting in the tree, not seeing anything. And then the one day that I did hear something. Um, you know I texted James and he was like well maybe try the call if you think it's going away um, and I did and it was well before um, even kind of like pre-rut would have been starting and so um, I didn't really think about it I just well you could try it and so I got out my what's it called hoochie mama my hoochie mama uh, yeah <laughs> call. Um, I gotta get better at mouth calls because that thing is yeah it's something but uh um got that out and tried it and I mean, sure as anything, I could hear it starting to come back around, but it kind of just essentially spooked behind me, and all I saw was its rear end kind of take off down a a diagonal path coming down the slope and away from me, and I texted him what happened, and he goes, so most likely it went around to wind you, you know, it's trying to figure out what is that sound that I'm hearing, you know, obviously a call's not perfect, um, they're going to be more alert now that they've heard something so trying to figure out what you are mm-hmm. um and sure as anything the wind the way we obviously set up the wind usually came up the slope yeah. from us so it hit the slope behind me and he took off or it took off but so did that try to calling not one the right time of year um and then we did still hunt the ground and again pros and cons of both like i made sure i had lanes in my tree stand So I knew I would be able to take pretty much any shot that I could think of there. Still hunting the ground, you get what's in front of you. And so I got to draw on three different elk and all three of them never could present an opportunity that I knew I could shoot through
2: ethically. And we kind of talked about this the other day, and mm-hmm. I was really intrigued when you said you, like, you even didn't shoot a couple of times because you realized, like, the amount of shit in your way, branches, and, mm-hmm. like, the arc of your arrow, you were like, there's...
0: Yep, yeah, I mean, I could like, like,
2: that's not a shot you want Yep,
0: hindsight's 20 like, could I maybe have knelt, but, or kneeled, but then the arc of my arrow, because of how slow my bow is compared to, you know... 73-pound draw, um, there's just a big chance that I would have hit stuff, and then you take that risk of... There's also the idea, because we talked about this up there, um, Ted did a little bit, like he had one last year where um, there were bushes that he knew were in the middle. So he knew, uh, not necessarily to do it, but that if he were to have an opportunity there, the likelihood is he'd hit those. And his arrow would miss completely. But you have to judge where that, you know, dead stuff is or whatnot. And this is right in front of this elk. Like, I would probably still pass through those bushes, but it's going to knock my arrow. And I could end up in the guts. I could end up in his rear end, you know. And so, it just couldn't take any of the shots. And it sucks to have... It's great that it happened because, you know, it proves it's that it's possible. Really yeah, to the hunt there and whatnot. But, um, but it's just like, there's a pro and con to everyone, but it's knowing how to do all of them. But again, it just like, it goes back to patience in Western hunting because you have so many options out here. It's really what's going to work best in the area and especially learned up there. It's like, what's the weather doing at the time? You know, we had good, like mid seventies weather. Well, good to me because I like hot, but not great for the elk. Um, Or the ground and how crunchy it is. But then, you know, out of the blue, there was a storm, and so the weather drops, and it snowed, like, four inches overnight. And so James and Ted immediately knew, like, this is a still hunting day. This is a day to be on the ground. It's going to be quieter. That's the day I drew on two elk, um, because you're going to be able to sneak, you know, and still hunt through the ground a little bit faster, but then stalk quieter Um, as soon as that melted that night and everything dried up and we had sunny weather for like a week straight. We still hunted a couple more times even and it was so crunchy. I think we probably spooked three or four elk just walking, whether it's me trying to catch up to him or whatnot. Um, We're 20 yards from at least two of them that just weren't looking up or I was still walking to catch up and um, they blew right out. So it's knowing, like, what to do, when to do it, um, but being able to have the options here. But it goes back to patience because, you know, the reality was I should have probably sacked the tree pretty much the whole time when the weather was, you know, mid and not gotten down. But I was so impatient that I was like, oh, well, we're seeing out still hunting, so if we just go slower, if we oh. just, you know... We're, I'm going to get the chance and every single time we saw it after it was dry you know didn't happen But
1: yeah I mean there's always a difference between seeing something and then actually it like filling the tag and successfully yeah. and that's what I try to tell people it's like I feel like the people will be real excited and be like oh, I feel like this is working I've seen a bunch I go yeah but you've seen them running away so maybe you might want to Try something different, you know? And like you gotta have like I say, I, I like to call it a Swiss army knife. You really gotta have a lot of options and a lot of skills. And these come over years. See, I I'm blessed to have been a bow hunter now for almost thirty years. Like which is crazy. It's a long because 'cause I'm not I'm not that old. I don't say my age, my management yeah, doesn't let like, me say it. Uh-huh. Your but, PR <laughs> but uh <It's> great.
0: <laughs> But like
1: yeah, my PR manager. But like I've done this a long time, you know, so I've been able to, like, hone all of these different skills for a long time. And I've also only hunted the same type of terrain for a long time. But I think the benefit of, like, getting proficient on the West... It's like I am a proficient tree stand hunter, ground blind hunter. So I know if I go hunt somewhere on the east, I should be in pretty good shape. I know yeah. how to do those things. Like those are things that I've been. It's like a versatile
2: stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, I think the versatility is so key, and it's not like I've only spent like a tiny bit of time doing X. It's like no, I spent a lot of time doing every part of the equation, the equation out here. And a tree. So it's like, I'm ready to do it. When people are like, oh, it's so hard to hunt here. Like, we never see anything. We sit trees all the time. I go, I'm prepared to sit a tree a long yeah. time. I promise you that, you know. But then, like, if you bring those, those people who think, like, the east, you know, whatever, is really, really hard. And it's so hard to sit so much and not see anything. You bring them to the west. You're going to get demolished most of the time unless you're like prepared for it. So for me, the biggest thing is always the preparation is so important okay, in Odding. Sorry.
2: Okay.
1: Can I we pause this? Get...
2: Yeah, absolutely. What? I have to really? pee so okay. bad.
1: We got loud at the end.
0: It might have been the pee
1: I portion.
2: I was going to say, we had to take a quick pee break, but we're back. Glad we were all on the same page on that one. Drinks are refilled. Um, I did have one question before we jump to the next topic back to packing out is I don't know if this is a dumb question like is that something you can do on your own or is that usually something like you do you you're hunting with multiple people just for you know the case of you guys are all packing it out together how does that work?
1: yeah so you certainly can yourself uh again depending on your physical capabilities if you're in really good shape you can do more and how far um but like for example the last I shot the way my dad and I did it is we both have really good like knife skills so we both can like process and quarter up an animal So, but for us, my dad's 66 years old. He has the knife skills, so do I, but it makes sense that he does the knifing, gets all the meat ready to pack, and I do the the muscle work, you know? So, you got to kind of know who you got, and then, like, how to best use the different different skills skills. of different people. That definitely makes sense. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, In the case of an elk, like an animal that size, how... How long does it take to actually like butcher and like process that animal mm, to pack out
1: good question so that elk I think I shot at about 640 by the time we got to it took pictures we're ready to roll it was probably 730 uh, I think we were back to the truck with all the meat done by 12 noon So, like, four and a half hours, which is very fast, I would say, compared to, but we also did a whole bison, like, a couple weeks prior, Mm -hmm. that a bison's 2,000 pounds, probably almost, humongous, yeah, and we did the bison in, like, four hours as well, but we had seven people.
2: Okay, gotcha. Is, is bison an animal that you guys have around here Oh, I guess lot? that's another
1: one, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, have we missed any
2: animals? I know we started talking well, about a couple different things. Animals or-
1: a bison's yeah, not really, like, huntable because, like, it's so hard to get a tag. Is, unless that, you're is hun- that
2: a lottery? Yes,
1: yeah, so that was a lottery tag. It's also well, a once-in-a-lifetime. You can, though.
0: so you wow. can, though, in Utah, buy the, for out-of-states, $2,400 over-the-counter oh, no, over counter, oh bison God. tag. There's no
1: bison in But, yeah, I
0: like... You know, I mean, you better just dedicate your whole hunting season to finding finding the bison um, before, during, because otherwise you spent $2,400 to potentially find the only bison (laughs) in the land. It's not the only one, obviously, but, like, it's just you know you think mule deer are
2: hard to find like okay so bison bison's like a can. top like lottery that's not something lottery. yeah it's like, People like shooting hunting a bighorn sheep
1: or something it's like okay. incredibly hard do you guys to get have sheep out here yeah we have okay. bighorns in in uh, parts of california and other states around here but again like getting a tag is going to take like 30 or 40 years generally wow. okay. just like a then, you know,
2: like what's it is there a, a chance to get a, right? a non-resident um do they even Yeah, elevate?
1: yeah, yeah. There are tags, but, like, for example, my buddy that drew that bison tag, there's one out-of-state tag, and his odds of drawing it with, like, 15 points, I think, were, like, point zero zero three or something. And he and did. He, he did, yeah.
2: That's
1: so So, he invited me to come film it, which is pretty cool. It's one of the videos, like, I'm most proud of on the channel, is that bison hunt. It's really cool, and it check was a good out. experience for me as well to get to do, Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. Uh, but then there's also... What's the... There's a difference. Um, I might say the wrong name, but... Um, is it mountain sheep? The ones that... Goat. Mountain goats. There's mountain goats. Mm. Is, is, that, um, um, is
1: that
2: California? Is no, that... No, okay. no.
1: They're more in, like, Idaho, Utah, Montana, Canada. Like, really high-elevation animal. And again, like... We're talking about animals that, like, for the rookie hunter is, like, pointless to talk about because you're never yeah. going to get these tags. But ones that are, <laughs> you're know? not going
0: to find them on these. Yeah. But see, we all the experience you here.
1: gain, elk hunting, deer hunting, like, if you eventually you do, you need all those skills to yeah. get one of those. So gotcha. it's good to, like,
0: oh, um, know it's possible. The one I want to go,
2: pronghorn. Um, um, antelope, yeah.
1: Pronghorn,
2: yeah, is another one. Is an, oh, an antelope a pronghorn? Is that the same thing? Yeah. Okay. They're not. I looked that up. The name is not
0: interchangeable, so they're actually different animals, but one's like a South African animal or something. Correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, in comments or something later on, but um, I don't know if you can comment on this or not. But um, uh, when I went to read about them because I said I wanted to hunt pronghorn next year, and um, supposedly, from what I read, like, an, uh, I don't remember which which pronghorn I think is here, antelope is actually like a South African animal or something but um not not technically the same
2: um
0: but yeah pronghorn wild animal when i was researching I you just have a lot of time in the tree so um they can see up to four miles um they're basically like eight times binoculars for eyeballs um and have 320 degree vision so i see these people hunting pronghorn like in flat fields of you know uh, like wheatgrass and stuff, and i was like, how in the world, well, that's why I want to do it, because, like, I feel like, just, again, your stalking skills have to be elite to get to a pronghorn, so, something I really want to try and do, um, but I should probably get more stalks under my belt beforehand, but yeah, pronghorn is another, or maybe pronghorn slash antelope, I don't know, uh, is another animal out here, um, that is a slightly easier tag to
2: draw, or you can purchase over-the-counter in certain states. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming y'all have turkey as well, right? Mm-hmm. Is it different from mm-hmm. the turkeys we have on the East Coast?
1: So there's like four different breeds of turkeys. I always forget which one we have. Yeah. Um, I'm not like a huge turkey hunter, but I've shot a lot of them. Uh, I'm but not a
2: huge turkey hunter, but <laughs> I've
1: shot a bunch. Yeah, of them. <laughs> I used to shoot like two a year every year, but... Uh, now, I like hardly on them, but yeah. It's another
0: one because, like, a lot of people. They have crazy on the East good coast, vision, too. Yeah, I hunted turkey a decent amount in Florida, and we always hunted with shotguns. Like, that was just yeah. pretty standard. You put, you know, a turkey load in there or whatever. And um, here, I mean, maybe people do hunt a lot with shotguns, you know, I don't know, but like, Ted and James primarily, I think, only pretty much hunt with bows. So, again, that's yeah. another, like, on the list of, like, hunting a turkey with a bow because it's such a tiny target. It's kind of like a, um, a peccary, is they have these ridged, hairy, kind of backs um, that the hair stands up when they're alert, and so you think they look a lot bigger than they are, so your target's actually a lot smaller oh, wow. than you think. Um, on a, a peccary, it's the same with, like, you know, turkey, all of these feathers and whatnot, but you really have a very small circumference area that you're trying to aim at so different like again different styles of hunting out here than out there but I think what's it's Osceola or
2: I was going to say I feel like there's Osceola Merriam
1: Rio Grande I think that's what we have here maybe okay. Rio Grande
2: are, are your I mean I, I don't know if you know but like are the turkey numbers here
1: we, we the, have a lot of turkeys okay, you can shoot that. five a year
2: holy shit
1: yeah three that's in
2: the us <laughs> So I was gonna say that's shoot, more yeah. than us, and I feel like Virginia is like a very liberal. Yeah. Like you have six deer tags, and mm. then you have three.
1: Yeah, so you can animal. shoot three male turkeys mm. in the spring season. Yeah, and then in the fall, you can shoot two either sex.
2: Okay, wow, that's Rio
0: Grande and Merriam's. Mm. the
1: subspecies in California.
0: Nice. Okay, Osceola is what we have
2: primarily in Florida. Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of we kind of briefly talked about spot spot stalking, right? Um. Mm. But for someone like me, yeah, like I'm primarily always hunting in a tree stand. So if I were to come out here, I mean, is there, (laughs) I don't even know like, how to word this question, but is there like, how would you even really go about practicing that? Is it really like based on terrain? Is it based on, I mean, what skills would I need essentially? Like how would I approach trying it for the first time?
1: Have yeah. So to be effective. <laughs> <take> you, <laughs> yeah. So to be effective at stalking, I think that there's a few variables. Number one, the wind always is going to be the most important. So like, if it's really blowing, that covers a lot of your noise. If it's really dead, and you can hear a pin drop, we're probably going to be in trouble. But either way, the wind has to be good a good direction for it to work because animals noses are going to be their number one I think the way you
0: always tell me it is wind sound sight for a mule deer
1: yeah wind sound sight for a mule deer and then for an elk I would say it's wind sound or wind sight sound so each animal is like a little different on how their defense mechanisms work but For me, the biggest keys with stocking are you got to have good shoes. So I never stock in my hunting boots. I like change them out. So he always stops like a few
0: hundred yards out and changes out to Mm. essentially what he uses. There's a million out there, like expensive ones and whatnot. But like he literally uses Walmart. He took me one day and I have the ugliest stocking shoes. But again, your shoes are on the ground. Um, I have these like bright blue. Um, He wears water shoes. So he just oh. stops a few and hundred that's just
2: yards like out.
1: Quiet, like quiet? Yeah, way quiet because it's softer rubber. You can feel the ground more, uh, which helps you be more quiet. And that's really key. Another thing is, I'll see a lot of people that are new try to like stalk with their packs on, their boots on. I dropped my pack. Back. I
2: feel you like I would never find it again. Oh, you like, got to mark it on pin. Onyx or yeah. drop a
1: pin or put flagging or whatever. But, yeah, so drop as as much of your stuff as possible. Wear the quietest shoes possible. And then, for example, I, I uh, glass up a deer one day that's uh, bedded down. I couldn't see him. He was down in this ditch, but I knew where he was. And I was hunting solo this day, and it was dead still. So I knew I couldn't get close enough to him to make a good shot with a bow. But I looked at the weather on my phone. I knew the wind would pick up in about seven hours. So I just waited on this hillside for seven hours in the sun. It was 100 degrees. And then eventually the wind picked up and I went in and shot the buck at 24 yards. But I put on the sneaking shoes, dropped my pack, waited for the wind to be right. All these things have to be right or it's never going to work, you know. And people a lot of times will ask, like, how are you able to be successful so often? And for me, it's like, I only will go if I think I can do it. Like, if when I, I
0: wanted that coos, like, nobody's business mm-hmm. on the top of that ridge. And he already knew the backside of that was nothing but thickets and junipers. And, like, as soon as he walked over that ridge out of sight and he was, you know, a mile, mile and a half away by road and then the stock in, um, there's just no way you're ever going to find them so like the reality is it sucks not everyone you find glassing because you see so many more than in your tree you're not going to be able to go after in
1: fact most you're not but when you do find one that you can get it's about having the sharp tools to, to be able to be proficient you still won't pull it off every time there's no way it's just too hard to do but you want to stack the cards in your favor as much as possible that's like the biggest thing with okay. spot and stock hunting
0: Gotcha.
1: Pick your time. Mm-hmm. yeah you know.
0: trying to think of what else you and Ted have taught me in this process. Like, um, the, I, the I guess the one that said, somebody behind you seems funny, but in reality it's worked well because um, speed, um, a.k.a. no speed. Like, you think that, uh, this deer's going to get up. It's going to go away. I'm not going to be able to find it. It's going to be gone. But you have to move so, so slow. Um, it's like you're almost not moving at all. And I'll get up to like what I think is going slow and he will grab the back of my backpack and make me stop. Yeah. Um, because he knows that I'm going too fast. So like with that part of stalking, you know, wind, sound, sight, depending on the animal, is the like, you know, how slow you go in. Um, the best example, like in the um what did we name that one? The movie but you have your own one, too. The deer he shot in Arizona last year. Um, It was, me and Ted stayed up on the ridge, and so we're watching through the binos this whole time, just like, and again, so this is the best point. Like, you never know how many deer you're looking at. And we glassed this buck up. We found him. He bedded down. We knew he had a couple, you know, two or three does with him. um, Kind of, I could see where they were. And I start sitting there and glassing and really just picking this apart as I can see him slowly moving in on this ridge in front. And um, so I watched him take all the stuff off, drop it down, start going. it. And I'm just like, Ted's sitting behind me like, there's a doe. There's another doe. Oh, shit. There's another doe. And I got to the point where I think before the buck and his does, there was eight other does that we didn't know were on that. And so he didn't know were on that hillside before he had to pass them before he could get to this buck. Um, and so it, like, just goes to show how many deer are, you know, on a hillside that you never know are actually there. Uh, and They were all bedded down. And um, he goes in, and they start to get up and just, like, you'd have to watch it to see it. Or No, sorry, we can't watch it because that was when you went in alone, so we didn't film it. Um, you just got to see the deer afterwards. But it goes to show, like, how, like, Every, you know, you can't even count the amount of times he pulls out the winding dust to check and make sure it hasn't changed. It doesn't... Swirling is a thing, like, you know, as soon as it gets... Happened to Matt on his, as soon as the wind got swirly, it's not the same where you glassed it up a mile away to where the deer is. Um, So checking the wind and then just being absolutely dead silent and still, he somehow managed to let these deer gracefully go over the hillside, not spook the buck. He never, you know got up till the very end. Um, yeah, it's yeah. slow. Slow and steady is the one thing I think I've learned. Um, For sure. What else? What else have you taught me? In spot and stock, the stalking specifically.
1: I don't know. A lot of I, I did want to
2: ask, like, you grew up hunting. Mm. Your dad's a big hunter, right? And so did you did you start hunting with archery or did you you know start with firearms and then you you made it to archery or like what was like that progression like for you
1: yeah so I've been a bow hunter my my whole life you know I did do a couple I've done a few rifle hunts in my life probably like I don't know, three, four or five rifle hunts that I've done in my whole life and then I've probably shot 60 to 70 animals, big game animals with a bow, Uh, so almost entirely bow hunting, and it wasn't like I started with rifle and then switched to bow. No, I was always a bow hunter first, and then occasionally just had, like, rifle tags mixed in, but even when I rifle hunt, I hunt just like I have a bow. Like, most, most animals I've shot with a gun Within bow range, yeah. I just had a gun tag and a gun, For but sure. I have not done a rifle hunt since 2013 at all. And before that, I hadn't done one since 2006. So, since 2006, I've done two rifle hunts.
2: Okay, yeah. And then, you, I mean, um, would did you say you started?
0: I, uh, yeah, so, um, my sister actually, um, shot bows a year before I did or started shooting bows. We did not grow up hunting, so, like, my parents think it's the craziest thing. They still haven't tried Wild Game. I think I'm going to sneak it in um, this year for them. But, uh, so, Brittany got into it um, and then handed me her bow once, and then I just, that's what I picked up. So, that's been, I think that was 2013, so your last gun hunt was my first bow hunting um, or archery in general experience um so 10 years of archery and I've only ever gone on one rifle hunt and I shot a doe mm-hmm. so everything else has been and then sorry the one we talked about it gun uh, dog running I yeah. shot one um back up in the panhandle um with a shotgun so two with guns yeah. in the last 10 years everything else with a bow
2: gotcha and James I did want to touch on like bow cycles because that's like that's who you are. It's what, yeah. what you do. Wow. Um, so you started it in like 28?
1: 2018. 2018, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, August.
2: Yeah, and for those of you Music who... Music
1: video was our first video. Really? Oh, yeah, I don't <laughs> It's rap. a, it's a
2: gem. I rap. Gem. Oh shit, maybe we can like... Drop that yeah, in here Yeah, I'll
1: put it in here, yeah. It's a banger. It actually
2: right. looks very professional. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Maybe that'll be it. the <laughs> intro music. Yeah, that'll perfect. We open this cool. episode too. Perfect. Um, but I did want to touch on, like, I, you know, we kind of said this before, I think before we started recording, when we started following each other, and that's how we met. I come out to San Diego for work a lot. Um, and so you were like, hey, like, come shoot some bows with, like me and Bree and like you know let's meet oh, so, see, he had to work in, in the end I know <laughs> and so we did and you know we made um made a, you made, you made a cute little video um, which which was I got to be on the channel for the first time yeah. we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna do it we're gonna do it again yeah yeah for, for sure. sure um but I think when we I think even when you did that video, nope, no
1: it's
2: okay. Sir. <laughs> it's like, but i got to be in it. I know. I think yeah. when you, when we did that video, um, and that was probably what, was that last year? Yeah. yeah. Was that the year before? Last year. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I feel yeah, like I've known you guys like for like forever, so much yeah. longer. Yeah. Um, I think you had, I think you had like 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember how much on Instagram, and now you're up to like, over 30,000 on YouTube. Yeah. And your Instagram's at like 70, mm-hmm.
1: right? Over 70, yeah. yeah.
2: 70k. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really cool to see your account and your platform grow. Um, Thank you. And Bow Disciples, I think, it's just like an entertaining, I think you guys like do a really good job <laughs> about like what you guys are actually like posting and it's like it's fun and it's light and you know, I still learn stuff but it's just entertaining to watch you guys. And also like know you too and like that's exactly like exactly like your personality like you're not pretending to be anyone else it's real yeah yeah, all day Um, appreciate that for sure um i posted on my instagram some like story um Mm. just to see if you know people had any questions for you guys so i think i'm gonna go ahead and we can kind of jump into those questions perfect this can be rapid fire or just you know talk how much you want to Mm -hmm. first one i have is what draw weight do y'all typically pool
1: uh, so, I always shoot, like, 73 pounds, and I think she's, like, 45. I'm
0: 46 right now, so, again, when I came out here, I had a horrible draw, and um, James corrected that and said, you cannot and will not keep that um, draw. So, <laughs> we changed my draw cycle, and uh, which, you know, is for my betterment and health, but uh, thanks for that. So, dropped it all the way down to, it's, like, 27 pounds, mm-hmm. and that was almost year and a half ago now so we're up to 46 gonna increase to 48 anytime now because it's pretty easy at 46 except for when you're 10 miles into a still hunt and you you can't draw your bow Mm -hmm. so that's again another thing like you know strength is important because i was exhausted and sitting on an incline you know you're not going to be on a perfect flat surface like you are at the range Mm -hmm. and that proved that i couldn't draw my bow it took five tries for me to draw the bow um on that third attempt third you know Elk, um, but yeah. So at forty six right now, goal is fifty, and I think that's a yeah, very comfortable. My goal comfortable. is fifty.
2: Like I don't plan on going higher than that. I'm at yeah. forty eight now, and it's pretty easy. And I, I don't think I need to honestly. And yeah. and, and for those exact scenarios, like I think shooting at home or shooting at a range, like totally different. You're in your comfort zone, mm-hmm. like practicing every day. But I think when it comes down to like the moment an animal is in front of you, I think it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. and there's like there's different things though, like you know, a taller,
0: like a really tall, like five, really tall, like five, six (laughs) or above, um, your draw length significantly increases, unless you got midget arms or something. But um, draw length is actually like one of the things that increases bow speed, like more than your draw poundage does. Um, So there are like little kind of things where if you're like super short, like me at five, one, it could be better to get up to 55 to kind of okay. outweigh that short uh, yeah. draw length that I have. But 50 for an average height woman is completely doable in hunting. Like, yeah. we know, I don't remember her name. I feel bad, but the, she's in her 60s. And a few years ago, um, shoots about the same poundage I do, just as short as I am. Shot an elk. A huge Oh, elk. Debbie?
1: Debbie? Debbie, yeah. Imagine.
2: Imagine. Um, So
1: shout out to Debbie.
2: Yeah, you don't Uh, have to pull crazy. I did have a question to add on to that because you guys do a lot of um, total archery challenges Mm. and stuff like that. Um, When you're going into that, do you change your your draw your at all? No, I always. Are you keeping it the same for that distance?
1: Yeah, I always shoot the exact same setup for for target or uh, hunting, which is a little bit easier when you shoot. Higher poundage, I have a long draw length, so it's a little bit easier if you're shorter and lower poundage, it could be, you gotta mess with your stuff a little more. But um, one thing I wanna say about draw poundage is I think a lot of people put way too much thought into it. It doesn't really matter all that much. Uh, What's most important is being a really good shooter. That's always gonna be most important to me. You can spend time nerding out on arrows or bow setup, but can you shoot well? Yeah. to me that's always going to be the and can the, you get, close, n- enough and and you can you get close enough right so you want to be a better hunter be able to shoot better and then just be able to be proficient right like i pull 73 pounds bowtech only makes 70 pound limbs well they do make 80 80 pound limbs now but like, I could pull a 90-pound bow if I wanted. Like, I can pull, however, like, 70 to me feels like nothing, right? Yeah,
0: or are you going to be able but to there's, 15 miles
1: into a... I, I could, yeah, but it's, again, like, I want to be able to shoot thousands of arrows and still feel good. Yeah. You know, like, not get fatigued. For sure. Not get overwhelmed. And I think a lot of people put poundage on, like, a pedestal, and they would rather get, like, gassed out and shoot, like, a few arrows... Yeah. Whereas to me it's well, like do you
2: think people use it as a flex? I feel like a somewhat. lot of people like guys are like, Yeah, what? You know. <laughs> yeah. but you know But come. how many times I mean, can you do that? Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: Girls or girls start yeah, changing. I think I think a lot of people do it for like ego purposes or like they just want a higher number in their head and I'm like yeah. that's dumb to me to me it's dumb. Yeah. Like I think you just if you can shoot a lot and shoot really accurately I think that's, like, the best sweet spot to be in.
2: I think a good segue question for that is how to increase shot confidence.
1: Mm. Uh, So for that, I would say shoot a lot. Like, shoot as much as possible and be able to repeat really well. So for me, you want to be able to, like, in the heat of the moment, your buck fever's super high, you're winded, fatigued. You want to be able to draw back and have it feel just mechanical. It's like you've done everything so many times. That it's like, this to me is routine. This is just, I don't have to even think it's what I do. And it's, yeah. it's, it's like, you feel like a machine more so than a person.
2: I think but, what I realized kind of early in the summer was like, you know, I shoot a lot at home. And it's like, no one's watching me. And even if I'm filming, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, I'm editing what I'm posting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought like confidence wise yeah i'm super comfortable doing this and then i did my first like very small competition Mm. in new jersey and it was like i you would have thought i was shooting at an animal i was shaking so bad like Mm. just having like you know over 20 people watching like me shoot at once and i was like holy shit Mm. i one i was not prepared i would have had no idea that i would have (laughs) this reaction Mm -hmm. and two it's like okay well like I don't live anywhere near a range like y'all do and so it's like how do I even if I know this is a problem now like how do I even get out of that how do I keep putting myself in that position to where I know I need to get over it like Mm -hmm. people watching not a big deal but apparently I was ill I was not okay (laughs) I still shot okay I was surprised but like I was surprised because no. how do i get out of my comfort zone if that's you know yeah. it's not i'm not going to be driving like two hours to go somewhere just to do that all the time
1: yeah just shoot more i think the more you shoot the more the muscle memory it increases from doing something on a regular basis the better but it all comes down to shooting more so a lot of like boat people that hunt with a bow They'll only practice with their bow, like, a week before season. My thing is you should shoot your bow for fun, like, yeah. recreation year-round. Yeah. Because if you shoot year-round, you're going to be a lot better when you're nervous and your heart rate's higher. Yeah.
0: yeah. The other, I guess, like, you know, shooting, obviously, a ton will help bring up the confidence of, like, I know the routine. I know, you know, my shot can be good. But, like, if you have, like, a nervousness you learn in front of people, like... And you can't drive two hours. Like, the only thing I would say is bring, you know, and hopefully, you know, you know people that shoot around you or in the area. And it's, like, one thing you'll see in James's video all the time is the amount of people who chaff each other's asses. Um, And, like, don't be afraid to, like, just have people over, like, have a cookout and, like... you would be like, hey, I need need you you to make fun of me. me. I need you to just make every joke in the book. Tell me how shitty I'm going to do. Like, obviously no one's going to do that or hopefully they shouldn't do that to you. In a competition, but um, you know, the
2: more you can get comfortable with like people making fun of you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Even just I feel like dumb, people
2: watching mm-hmm. that don't, you know, maybe that don't shoot. Like I feel like maybe that would help. Mm-hmm. so that is good Just bring them to your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm <run, laughs> going over dinner, but you need to watch. <laughs>
0: All
2: right. Worst mistake ever made during a bow hunt. Worst I mistake really made, I'll um, go while you think about um, this. Ah, uh, I feel like
0: you should know which one this is. Last year, we went javelina hunting on a nice, cheap, $100, over-the-counter uh,
1: oh,
0: javelina yeah, tag. That's a good
1: one.
0: Yeah. And, um And every morning, um, you know, we have this thing the um, release goes on your bow or on your hand. Um, I had it on the bow. I did not have it on my hand. So before we ever get in the ranger to go out and hike in, I typically always put my release on because, you know, what if something crosses the road? Like, you are going to get out and stalk it. Um, I, for whatever reason that morning, did not put the release on. And uh, we hiked all the way out there. It was super early. It was cold. Um, so I was just like, I don't, I don't know. And gray light came, and we're in the blind, and we hadn't seen anything at all yet. Um, we'd heard some things, never seen anything. And just right there, it was 10 yards at where it came out of the bushes and grass and came straight up to the blind. It was six feet away from the window of the blind. Like, I could have thrown a knife at it and stabbed it in the eye and killed it if I was. Probably could have jumped out of the window and got it. And um, my release was on my bow. And James just looks at me and is like, Get your release. Get your-. And I'm like, can't and it's velcro on like the wrist strap so you just can hear me in the video recording like like trying to peel it off the bow yeah uh hindsight's 2020 i could have drawn the bow without a release and still made an accurate shot it was so close yeah um but it was the only habloin we saw on the entire trip did not fill that otc tag um and uh yeah that was the most put yeah. your release on always before you go yeah. to hike in do anything and i think it's funny because most happen. people
2: are like you know their rookie hunting story or something is like i forgot my release right or like it I was right it. there you actually had it and you just like mm-hmm.
0: physically yeah. it. Yeah. and it made it worse because like i whispered i was like james just shoot it and he's and he whispers back and just as plain as he could be he goes i'm not shooting it till or anything till you do and i was like Aww. oh yeah thanks oh.
1: yeah. oh. yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. so
2: want this yeah <laughs> what about uh, you what's your uh,
1: worst uh, mistake i got i got one that came to mind i thought about it a bit it was uh one time my dad and i were um we were going out uh to elk hunt and i was going to be the caller we we're going to do some calling and i was i was the caller and he was going to be the hunter so i had my bow and everything but i didn't I always wear my release, but I didn't want to wear it because I didn't want to like hit the call or something with the release. And we show up to our first calling station and this bull walks like right in a window like 15 yards from me, but it wasn't in a window from him. He, My dad was yeah. like four feet in front of me and I had the window, he didn't. But my release wasn't on my hand. so same thing. Uh, after that yeah it's like you, you gotta always wear the release and I always do that was the one time I didn't but very similar story to hers always be prepared like you know even if you're glassing or something always have your bow within arm's reach because yeah. you never know something could could walk by or something Especially could happen. Especially
0: there are times like I like to so get out of the ranger and we're gonna just go like a little ways and Bring we're just your bow. glassing and I'm of I don't want to carry it but it's like you never know something's gonna come up the hillside you're sitting on. Like you're in their land, um, you never know what's gonna come up. Like you guys had that happen, you and Ted in Arizona um, I've had after you I had left. To me um, me. So bring the bow with you. But yep. yeah, I feel like release is always like the number one story.
2: <laughs> yeah. Put it on the wrist. Fair enough. Um, and I we do have to get going soon, so I kind of just wanna answer these as quick as possible. Uh, rapid, I know it's kind of hard, <laughs> hard, but um, single pin or triple? If you had to choose between,
1: uh, I would always go triple. Uh, more options because my thing is western hunting. You might range something at thirty yards. But by the time he gets in a shooting window and you draw and settle a pin, he might be ten yards further, so rather than have to let down, slide the pin, I would prefer to just, like, float up a pin, so I always prefer... I shoot a five pin for that reason.
2: I shoot a four pin, and um, I thought about changing it, um, but... It's, it's like I bought one and then every literally every summer I'm like nah I'm fine no, like, you, I'm just you gonna keep fine. it so that's, I definitely wasted the money on that one right. um, mechanical versus fixed broadheads
1: Uh, Mechanical, and for me the uh, reason simple, Uh, I think that uh, you want to inflict the most damage possible when you make contact with an animal, and you don't need a fixed blade for the good shots, you want them for the bad shots, so if you accidentally make a poor shot, you want a bigger cut and do more damage, so to me I always think a mechanical is better.
2: Um, importance of your sight bubble and second and third axis. I don't even know what that means.
1: Super important. So, so uh, <laughs> a sight bubble is they're talking about the level, and sight uh, third axis is like if your third axis is off, your 20 will hit on, but your 60 will be like it's diagonal. So, like, as you so get further out, okay. it's, it, you're hitting, like, further left or right, okay. so it's really important to have a bow shop, like the bow and arrow shop here in San Diego, that's really good and can get that super dialed, so that way you know you're yeah. dialed 20 through 60 or whatever it may be, but yeah, that's really important for your left and right. Okay.
2: Um, best arrows for hunting? Uh-huh.
1: But um, for me, I Are think... Are you a lo-
2: brand whore? Like, on no, 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 no. Oh, no. you like, you'll shoot Nah, uh, yeah, stop nah.
1: For me, I think people get way too caught up in arrows. Nowadays, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to shoot like super heavy arrows, which is fine. But I think whatever you can shoot the best and most consistent is what you should hunt with.
2: Okay, gotcha. And mm. um, this question, I guess, kind of wraps up a couple of those things. It's optimal arrow weights versus bow poundage versus draw length importance on either you
1: know uh uh, so i would say the most important thing again is whatever you shoot the best but um i would say that you want to shoot an arrow that's like not a like super slow because that kills your trajectory and takes longer to get to the animal so you want kind of like a good mix of arrow weight what shoots well but also like flies pretty flat because the flatter your arrow flies the more room for error you have because there's less arc involved
2: okay gotcha um and i guess we can do last one um and this isn't this isn't really a quick answer but i am interested to hear because i think it's it's really important for the rookie hunter and i'm kind of wondering if it's even different you know east coast to west coast or if this is just kind of you know it applies to everything but public land etiquette
1: Mm. yeah that's (laughs) tough out here i never i never see anybody hunting like hardly hardly ever really Uh, is that
2: just because y'all's units are like a lot of acreage or yeah i mean number
1: one they're huge but also like i don't tend to go where other guys go so i think a lot of times what happens is if you're gonna hunt a new unit you kind of ask around and say like You know anyone who hunts this unit, and then everyone who has advice for it tells you to go the same place. So then everyone goes there. I prefer to, like, hear where everyone goes, and then go, okay, where can I go that's not there? Yeah. But as far as etiquette goes, I mean, yeah, it's just be respectful. You know, if you are glassing up a buck and you're like, okay, I want to go stalk him, but then you pan, there's like another hunter like making a move, then you just move on, you know.
0: I mean, we had exactly that happen when I hunted with Matt in Arizona, and we saw there were like three nice bucks that, you know, we had good potential to go into, and it just happened to be glassing, and over there in the grass to my right, you know, a few hundred yards is a hunter. You just happened... He had one of those um, deer... Uh, those are like so decoys. weird. Decoys, decoys. yeah. It's like decoys. what you can, like, stand in front of, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that's what caught my Isn't eye a flashing Isn't thing around. over, like,
2: over here? Yeah, guys will do
1: it, especially for antelope hunting. Like, okay. you'll see guys do that, um, you know, because you can put that in front of you and kind of stalk behind it. When you don't have a
0: lot of stuff to really hide behind. Yeah, you don't have
1: terrain, so you hide grass. behind the decoy, but... Um, yeah, ultimately, the other thing I, I would say, though, for etiquette is,
0: like, word. we saw this with, again, with Matt. There's, we went to the one place, I guess, everybody was being told to go to, and you were off with Ted. And um, it's like, ask him to, like, exchange phone numbers and whatnot. Because, um, yeah. like, you might be in vast territory, but when you're glassing, like, you're all kind of looking at the same stuff at different angles. Um, you know, we actually, there were a couple guys out there who ended up helping each other stalking Um, you know like whether they went with them or helped him pack it out or like he was miles from his truck so they drove in and helped him Um, like don't be like mad that they're there or afraid to talk to other hunters like oh I don't know where we're going like you know share phone numbers and and text and whatnot because like you're more likely to either help them find what they're looking for Mm -hmm. at the same time um, and then they're gone or at least they can help you in some way so Mm -hmm. Um, don't be afraid to actually chat. I think everybody tries to avoid each other on pride or on public land.
2: Yeah. 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 I feel like I run into a lot of people like on the East Coast, so I feel like it's just a little different. And I feel like it is different because I'm a female. I feel like I've never had a negative experience. I feel like everyone I've run into is like su- super fucking nice and like yeah. really helpful. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and I think I think that's that's usual. Like, there's rare beef, you know, or anything, but yeah I mean I think to wrap it up I don't want to like um I don't want to intimidate anyone from hunting the west I think if they want to they should try it and if anything you know you might come in out of shape or you might be underskilled or whatever and in fact that's probably likely but you're never going to get better and be able to like be better in the future unless you do that first time so I know it's scary but go out and do it do something that makes you uncomfortable go try an over-the-counter elk hunt You might not even see one, but that's not a reason to not show up the next time. Just think about it every day of how could I improve and how can I be better next time and then implement it and be better year after year. But don't be scared to not go at all. I think Western hunting is something people should try and they should do.
2: Absolutely. I know coming from Virginia, like, it's definitely something that's on, like, a, it's a bucket list hunt, for Mm -hmm. sure, like, really any animal on the West Coast, just because it is different terrain, it's different environment, different animals that, you know, we'd never see over there, so... I know when I'm ready, or when I feel physically fit and <laughs> ready yeah. to come maybe hunt a mule deer elk, I'm going to give you a call. So Let's do it. I definitely appreciate having you guys on here, and I'm really glad we got to do this.
1: Yeah, sounds good, and I, I do want to thank you for the opportunity to come on. It means a lot, and I'm a fan of what you do, and I hope you keep doing it, and, uh, you know... We'll link up in the future for a hunt or whatever. It'll for sure. It'll be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to tell people where to find you on social media, YouTube, TikTok, whatever?
1: Yeah, so it's Bo Disciples on anything. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all, all of them. Uh, so check it out. YouTube's our flagship. That's where you find the long stuff and then the short stuff's everywhere else. Gotcha. All right, cool. Dope. All Thanks right. for having us. Absolutely. Appreciate it fire as the wind blows, mm-hmm. I know that I'm rich enough for pride, mm-hmm. I see